from the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to The World According to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula. And me, Rebecca. In this episode, we are going to be talking to Dr. Netha Hussain, who is a medical doctor with a PhD in neurobiology and who is an active member of the Wiki Project Medicine and the Wiki Project COVID-19. Why is it important that medical professionals edit Wikipedia, Rebecca? So while Wikipedia tries to embrace all editors, there are some topic areas that some expert or professional knowledge is going to be needed at some point along the way. As an interested editor, you could start an article on a drug treatment or a medical condition. You know, I could do that myself, but my ability to expand that article will peter out quite quickly as I just don't have the skills or the knowledge to interrogate, assess or synthesize information for medical research. So the same is true for other complex subjects like chemistry, philosophy, or maths. So not everyone should or can edit whatever they want. So people should consider their own skills and knowledge before they start editing. Yeah, yeah, that's one way of thinking about it. You know, there's a general acceptance that uh, once an article gets to a certain level of complexity, so once you get past kind of a very short, simple article, that the ability for an amateur to make a meaningful contribution to it becomes just that bit harder. Something uh, which a lot of casual readers of Wikipedia don't realise is that there's actually a rating and peer review system for all articles on Wikipedia. So this starts with a stub and it goes all the way up to what's referred to as a featured article. A stub? What's that? So a stub article, which we've all seen, but maybe you don't know what it's called, is a really short article. It might have a citation or two if you're lucky, but not much else, just a few sentences. Uh, And some will have a little tag down the bottom and say, this article is a stub. Why not help out Wikipedia by expanding it? Yeah. Okay. I think I have noticed that before, but I completely honestly didn't know what that a stub was something in particular. So that's good to know. Yeah. So the other end of this scale is the featured article, which is the highest level of quality an article on Wikipedia can have. This means that it's completely comprehensive. Nothing is omitted and has that input from subject experts. Mm-hmm. Very few articles reach this standard. Uh, and once it is reached, if an article doesn't keep up to date or the quality slips somehow, it can be downgraded again. So are featured articles regularly reviewed or updated? like are they followed more than the stub articles? Yeah, they tend to have like a lot of editors watching and kind of trying to maintain the standard in them. But once an article has reached uh, a level of, of good or above, that's where the status, no one individual editor can decide on that status. It has to go through a review process and it can lose its status if it's agreed that the article quality has slipped. This is done like all things on Wikipedia by an editor nominating the article for re-review or by starting a conversation or a discussion outlining why they think the article is no longer of a particular standard. Yeah, so the, there is like a, a regularly maintained standard, across, well, an aim to regularly maintain the standard across Wikipedia. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, most articles um, on Wikipedia will be of kind of a, a middling mm-hmm. standard. So what's referred to as a start or a C, and then you kind of you go up B, uh, A, or sorry, it goes B, good, A, featured article. Okay. Uh, just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> uh, and most articles will float in around start or C. And primarily that's because most topics actually won't have enough scholarly discussion about them. So you'll have plenty of scope to say write about Oscar Wilde or um, WB8 or Picasso or something like that because there's just reams and reams written about somebody Mm -hmm. but somebody who is less dominant in the literature you're actually probably going to struggle just to find enough resources information yeah exactly most most articles are at that kind of middling level so going back to the previous episode where we were discussing women on wikipedia that some of them the a 
ability to get to featured on them would be harder because they don't have as much scholarly or in public information about them. Exactly. It's just there there isn't enough of a, of a corpus, as you would say, mm-hmm. in, in academia to write about somebody to, to that level. So it does mean that, you know, usual kind of topics that you would imagine, kind of mainstream kind of science, maybe, you know, astronomy, all the articles about the planets, that kind of stuff will probably be a very, very high standard. But once you get down to more kind of niche topics, then the ability to get up to that really high high standard is quite quite limited. Okay. But speaking of standards, Fanula, do you know who or what is in charge of how an article appears on Wikipedia? I have no idea. Is there like a style guide or something like the AP, that kind of thing? So for our random rule uh, of Wikipedia this episode, we are going to talk about the manual of style. A manual of style. I know. Now, unfortunately, this manual uh, doesn't adhere to fashion or it won't tell you how to craft that perfect capsule wardrobe. This is a manual of style or MOS uh, is the document that tells you how an article should read, look, and generally linguistically feel on Wikipedia. So is this to tell you how to structure your paragraph, where the information should go, how you cite things, that kind of stuff? Even more basically than that, how you decide what an article is called in the first place. Uh, on English Wikipedia, what form of English do you use? US, UK, Irish, Australian. Uh, when do you capitalise a the in a sentence and very importantly what form of dash do you use uh, an n dash or an m dash typographic and formatting nerds answers on a postcard please wow that's a lot of detail uh, down to the granular things and are there wars fought over the m dash and n dash and i actually don't know the difference between them to be honest most most normal people don't um but if it wasn't the problem is if it wasn't laid out in a document like this most editing would just grind to a halt over a little kind of tit for tat uh what we would call edit wars over the most trivial of style differences because depending on where you are in the world or what your particular style guide what you're used to in whatever kind of writing style you're coming from you will Mm -hmm. think it's the correct one you do have to remember that this is you know this document this manual of style is 20 years in the making so it didn't appear overnight didn't didn't exist in those early days, it was slowly developed in response to the need as it came up to have a definitive guide to settle any of these sorts of disputes. Yeah, I can understand that. I have been involved in myself in academic discussions around whether Harvard style should be used or not. And I'm, I'm in the not camp on that one. I'm going to sit here in judgment of you and you're, you're casting aspersions at, at my beloved Harvard um, uh, citation style. And I'm going to find you wanting. <laughs> Netta has been editing Wikipedia for over 10 years. She is a medical doctor and this year she completed her PhD. So I talked to her about her work with Wiki Project Medicine and more recently her work on COVID-19 articles and beyond. My name is Neta Hussain. I'm a medical doctor and a researcher. I write articles on Wikipedia. I have been volunteering with Wikipedia and its sister projects for the last 10 years. The sister projects that I work on are Wikidata, which is the structured data repository. And I also volunteer with Wikimedia Commons, uh, which is the image repository for Wikipedia. I also know other languages than English. So my mother tongue is Malayalam. So I contribute to Malayalam language Wikipedia as well. So these are some of the things that I do for Wikipedia and the 
Wikipedia moment in general. So what what was the inspiration for you to start editing Wikipedia? What got you started? I started editing Wikipedia in 2010. Uh, but even before that, I knew that everybody could edit Wikipedia. So I used to edit as an anonymous editor, which means that I did not have a user account there. But I had made small changes on articles related to India, uh, the, play, the country I come from. And I was a medical student at that time. So I used to look up Wikipedia for uh, understanding some basic, basic concepts related to medicine. So what I would do was I would uh, like read up the textbooks at my medical school and then come back and search on uh, the internet uh, to find out interesting and more information about uh, medicine. So uh, one day I figured out that there is no uh, article about a particular cuisine that people eat in the southern part of India. Uh, it is called um, chamandi, which is like analogous to chutney, um, which is like very, uh, which is an Indian cuisine. So I used to write a blog at that time. And so I, I, yeah, then I thought that, well, why not have an article for this uh, cuisine? And that was how I started uh, editing Wikipedia for the first time. But afterwards, I shifted my focus to articles related to medicine because I thought that that was where I could help the most because I had expert knowledge in the subject. And I started uh, editing on the topics which I used to read in my medical school. So I would like go to my classes, read about a topic, and then I come back, look up the corresponding Wikipedia article and see if something was missing. If something was missing, I would use my textbooks to update those articles. Um, so in this way, I contributed on English and Malayalam language Wikipedias. And I, th I still keep contributing that way. So it has been like 10 years now, but this is something that I enjoy doing very much. So, but in addition to like contributing to Wikipedia, I also take images and also contribute to structured data, which are like sister projects of Wikipedia, but it's included in the Wikimedia movement. So how long were you editing medical content before you kind of stumbled upon or became involved in Wiki Project Medicine? I kept uh, editing um, medical rela medicine related articles for like around two years. And then I discovered that there is a Wiki Project Medicine where uh, people uh, who are interested in medicine come together, discuss about uh, medicine related topics and write about that. So, well, uh, so that was exciting for me uh, to know that there is a group of volunteers who are like dedicated to writing articles related to medicine. That was where I built contacts with other editors. But even before that, when I started writing on Malayalam language Wikipedia, uh, I had made friends there because they come from the same region as I am. So we had met as well. But the way I met the global community was through the Wiki Project Medicine as well as uh, the Wiki Women uh, Collaborative. Wiki Women Collaborative was a collaborative for women who are who edit Wikipedia and participate in other Wikimedia projects. Yes, so meeting them uh, was a turning point uh, not only in my Wikimedia volunteering life but also in my like personal life because uh, the perspectives which I learned from them about the open knowledge movement, they were very valuable for me. And I used to like follow the edits of some of the Wikimedians, I, some of the very experienced Wikimedians, which helped me improve my writing skills. 
and also learn about you know which source which reference source was better than the other one and like weighing um, the credibility of content and also like learning about the writing styles so I think um, well uh, we used to work together on topics related on updating information and like uh, fighting also fighting against people who do vandalism on Wikipedia so at that time we would work together on fighting disinformation but it was not called that at that time in 2010 we did not have that name but we were actually doing that uh, as a group but in my individual capacity I was uh, like writing articles on topics that I was interested in so yes uh, it was two years after I started editing prolifically that I um, met people from Wiki Project Medicine and uh, Wiki Women's Collaborator. A lot of the work you have done this year has been related to the ongoing pandemic. And you were one of the editors that has been involved in the Wiki project specifically focused on COVID-19. That is true. Uh, so when the COVID-19 pandemic happened, um, Wikipedia had an, an article about the COVID-19 um, disease um, uh, as early as in January, like five days after the World Health Organization proclaimed that there is a pandemic, that there is a disease that originated in uh, Wuhan. So we, uh, the movement was very early in like knowing about the pandemic and updating the details regarding that and I joined this when this became uh, very big in Europe uh, that was uh, around March so I used to keep updating articles uh, with information related not only related to the disease but also related to the pandemic so my focus was on uh, like the impact of the pandemic on various aspects of the society such as uh, mental health um, like mental health how COVID-19 affects uh, mental health or the social stigma um, relate, uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic or how mortality related to the pandemic. So I focused on like specific uh, themes and areas um, related to the pandemic uh, and created pages for that. I also followed up uh, information from the World Health Organization. So it was uh, the article about um, World Health Organization's response to the COVID-19 pandemic was started by me. And um, and I was also very interested in, uh, um, in the vaccine research as well as drug research so I wrote articles about various trials uh, ongoing trials about um, like vaccine trials as well as uh, um, medicine trials uh, for finding cure for COVID-19 uh, that was something I did and of course there was this uh, wiki project specifically for COVID-19 and I made many friends there and some of my old friends they were also very active there so we worked together to find uh, gaps on the gaps in the knowledge that we have about COVID-19 on uh, Wikipedia and we would update that on the Wiki Project COVID-19's portal so that we know that we do not have articles about these areas and this is where we can like improve upon and so forth. Uh, I continue uh, doing that but then uh, I got a grant from Wikigred. Wikigred is an organization based in the United States which work on um, improving the credibility of uh, Wikipedia. So um, they gave me a grant for uh, finding the knowledge gaps related to vaccine safety on Wikipedia. So I was very excited about that because in that capacity, I would get to collaborate with the Vaccine Safety Network, which is um, a network.
network sponsored by the World Health Organization. So this is a network of uh, many or organizations from different countries of the world where they provide uh, information related to vaccines because a lot of misinformation uh, around vaccines exist on the internet as well as uh, in the media. So my work was surrounding finding knowledge gaps related to vaccine safety on Wikipedia and I like I really enjoyed doing that so I shifted my focus to work on that. But now that that project is complete I think there is more that I can do with respect to COVID-19. For those of us within the Wikimedia community we think of Wiki projects as something quite permanent. When you set one up the idea is that this is a very long-term project. I have seen you comment that this project could have quite a short lifespan and that's part of the value of it. Absolutely, that's okay. And a wiki project shouldn't need to stay forever. So like people can come together for a short period of time and work together. And when the scope of the project is over and or when editors are not no longer interested in like continuing with it, we could as well archive it and like move forward with something else. So I think it's perfectly okay that we have projects that were temporary projects where people come together for a specific goal. And when we... Uh, achieve that goal we could as well move forward and do other things yeah (laughs) do you think that outside of normal non-medical editing there are any specific challenges to editing medical content on wikipedia Uh, Yes, definitely. I think that uh, I need to be more responsible when I write articles related to medicine because um, people look that up and apply it in their lives. So uh, then I have to be extra careful to to use the right words and to present it in the right way and in the right structure so that people so that there is no misunderstanding between me and the reader. So yes, so doing that it requires that I need to do more research uh, at some time or I need to find a very credible source or a very updated source. So for um, like diseases like uh, COVID-19, for example, the science is changing. So there is there is so much new research happening every day. So if I would refer uh, a source that, that was published perhaps five, six months ago, that might not be relevant now. So doing that, I think, is a great responsibility uh, compared to like more static topics like say about like some other things in natural sciences which do not change as much. Um, so I think yes there is definitely more challenges. There is also another challenge related to like getting a good quality images and media uh, in medicine. Uh, most probably most often they are very expensive because they have like an image of uh, a virus for example. It needs a lot of work to like render that image uh, in a scientifically accurate way. So unless governments make it uh, free to use Uh, it's impossible to have that kind of good quality uh, images or videos uh, for use on Wikipedia articles. So that is uh, one limitation that we face and uh, we have fewer uh, editors who focus on medicine related content. When it comes to say um, um, current affairs, whether it be the US elections or um, something that uh, affects uh, some political um, politics related articles or articles related to you know celebrities in um, movies or um, yeah so these have uh, more uh, turnover in terms of having editors so many people are interested in that Uh, and barrier to entry to write that kind of articles is also low because then you can look up you can look up other sources on the internet and write a, a biography of a living person but when it comes to medicine it's not that obvious so you need to have specialized knowledge to be able to edit that so that is why I think we have fewer editors editing um, medicine-related articles
examples on Wikipedia. And I would really want for more academics in medicine to write articles there or review articles there or at least uh, suggest uh, good quality references uh, for Wikipedia articles. That's very important because many people go to Wikipedia uh, for knowing health-related topics and we really need the involvement of experts um, to keep our articles updated and accurate. Would you notice the impact of the news cycle on Wikipedia? For example, would there be an uptick in views or perhaps disruptive edits appearing on related articles? Yes, so when I uh, started writing about COVID-19, I realized that there is a lot of traffic uh, surrounding COVID-19 related articles. So this was nothing like what I had seen before, because earlier the articles which I used to write were like low profile, uh, which would mean that they... Uh, Not many people read that uh, because uh, my area of uh, specialization is neuroscience. I'm a neuroscientist. So I write um, articles which are very specific to my uh, area of research uh, at most times. So uh, when I wrote about COVID-19, suddenly it's like thousands of people reading the articles that I have started or expanded. Uh, So that was something very new to me. And although I used to fight vandalism, I would not engage in this kind of back and forth conversations on the talk pages. I would just look up a page and I have see, I, I would see that, oh, this person has like deleted a section or they have added something which is very obviously, which is obviously false. So I would only like revert or change that kind of, um, you know, obvious errors on Wikipedia, but not those subtle uh, changes which are meant to like change a narrative on a on an article so uh, when COVID-19 came suddenly like I think suddenly all the medical editors on Wikipedia had to like shift their attention to this pandemic uh, so as to like cope up with the like inflow of research and like update it on Wikipedia page so many um, like editors who are focused on medicine related articles that I know uh, they have contributed on COVID-19 at that point of time uh, so as to like maintain uh, these high-profile articles. Yes, I have seen uh, people um, like inserting um, sentences specifically to show that um, uh, to push a commercial product. For example, in the article about the World Health Organization's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you could see for some at some point of time um, uh, the names of some commercial producers of vaccines who say that their vaccines were World Health Organization approved. In fact, the World Health Organization just maintains uh, a, a repository of the uh, ongoing vaccine trials. So they do not approve any vaccinations. So these people have tried to mislead uh, the readers to show that their company has a World Health Organization approved vaccine. So this kind of things uh, do happen on Wikipedia, but I think uh, we, the editors, are like quite good in going back to the articles uh, we um, like keep, uh, the articles we have created or expanded and like change uh, this kind of like false or incorrect entries from there. So although like uh, disruptive edits happen on Wikipedia from time to time, uh, the volunteer community is like very is on a watch to see if uh, these things happen and uh, they do change that quite quickly. So I'm really happy with how the community responds to vandalism and disinformation on Wikipedia. So that was fascinating. I didn't even realize that uh, there was a kind of a COVID-19 project on Wikipedia. Yeah, I suppose I would think about it. It's almost like a task force. 
which there are also task forces on Wikipedia, just to be really confusing about it. Um, but yes, I mean, it's it's kind of like it is a project into itself. And because there was kind of this determination between um, the editors engaged in Wiki Project Medicine, that this was kind of like a, it's a whole suite of work onto itself. And that perhaps, you know, not everybody within the medical space would perhaps feel competent or competent enough to edit COVID-19 in particular, that it was kind of hived off into this, this separate project. But Nessa is, is a fabulous, fabulous person. Um, I met her, I think, for the first time in, in 2015 in, in Mexico. At, um, she mentions the Wiki Women Collaborative, and that was kind of like a precursor space to like the Women in Red and things like that. So it was at most conferences, we'd have like a a wiki women lunch or something like that so i think it was <laughs> one of those that i first met her uh she's a fantastic person um and absolutely just you know she she just has so much energy and yet she's really like yeah. peaceful peaceful presence which is wonderful yes yes yeah no it was it was very definitely very interesting glad we had the opportunity to talk to her yes definitely and we never do might have occasion to talk to her again There are lots of amazing podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. For example, Fireside, an Irish storytelling podcast presented by Kevin C. O'Holohan. Every Wednesday, Kevin will take a story from folklore and mythology. He gives it a fresh retelling and discusses the story itself, as well as the craft, culture and history. Whether you're a folklore fanatic or someone who just enjoys hearing a good yarn, you can always join Kevin by the Fireside. Once upon a time... Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week we breathe new life into old stories from folklore and mythology, from the mysterious landing of the old Celtic gods, to the epic wars fought by Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve, right down to the petty squabbles between headstrong mortals and roguish fairies. We already have a huge collection available with a new episode every Wednesday. This is not just a podcast for folklore fiends, but for anyone who enjoys a good story. And who doesn't love a good story? My name is Kevin C. Olan, and I am your host and your fireside bard. Wherever you are in the world, you can always join me by the fireside. episode's wiki hero is a brand new language wikipedia it's the inari sami language and i apologize now if i have butchered uh, that word but it is the newest language wikipedia to go live all new language wikipedias start off in a space called incubator which is where baby language wikipedias uh, start off and they develop until they're big enough to be published into the big wide bad world of the internet uh, so this one uh, can be found at smn .wikipedia.org, if you want to take a look at it there. This is the Sami language spoken by the Sami people of Finland and has a very small population of native speakers, around 400 speakers as of 2018. The new Wikipedia has almost 1,800 articles. This will be an amazing resource for speakers and learners of the language. Amazing. I wonder how new language Wikipedia start. I know you mentioned up there the incubator, but maybe we should look into it in a bit more detail at some point. Perhaps we could talk to one of the editors behind one of these new Wikipedias to learn more. Oh yeah, that would be really good. That was a very skillful throw forward there, Finn. I do my best. And that was the world according to Wikipedia. 
Join us in two weeks. You can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. Thanks to Patricia O'Flaherty for our artwork and Connor at Headstuff for production assistance. Go to headstuff.org for show notes and more information. Even now, to this day, I'll find myself in an art gallery going... (laughs) This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.